All right, guys, welcome in to today's episode of the Southeast Tubes Podcast. It is Tuesday, November the 6th, 2018, and yes, that means that college basketball season is officially back. Uh, we tipped things off tonight with a lot of great games, and there are a lot of SEC teams in action. So what we're going to do is uh, kind of run through each game, share some quick thoughts, uh, because, as most of you already know, I do a, a daily written preview and predictions post over at southeasthoops.com, and that is already up. Uh, if you're listening to this, it is already up on the website, so you can read that uh, kind of as a companion piece to this or vice versa, however you want to do it. But uh, I wanted to make sure we kind of ran through things from an audio version as well. Uh, for those of you who maybe don't get a chance to to read the post until after work, maybe late in the evening, the games are already started. Uh, so this gives you an opportunity to get uh, some good insight into what we can expect for the opening night games around the SEC. So let's go ahead and dive in. Uh, We start with uh, the Tennessee Volunteers, who will be in action against Lenore Ryan. Um, You know, it it is what it is. I think we all know that the Vols should be in good shape here to pick up the victory coming into the season as the number six team in the country. And it just goes back to what we've said all summer long. When you're a team like this, that captures share of the SEC regular season title last year. You return your top six scores, um, and everyone has more experience. Everyone has improved their game. Uh, it just makes you a much more dangerous team. And so I think Tennessee uh, is in a situation where they have pretty much the same exact makeup. And I think that toughness uh, from a mental standpoint, because we, we mentioned it so many times in terms of their ability to go win road games last year they won a lot of games you know just away from home and when you can do that that gives you a much better opportunity to succeed once you get to march because as we know those games are neutral court games um and not having to just rely on maybe your, your home crowd to to will you through games that's something that you have to be able to do and this tennessee team uh, more veteran team now all these guys again have another year of experience under their belt you have the reigning SEC Player of the Year in Grant Williams. There's a lot to like, and so uh, the Vols should be in good shape there on Tuesday night as they tip things off uh, there in Knoxville. So uh, next up on the schedule is USC Upstate at South Carolina. The Gamecocks uh, lost that exhibition game to Augusta, and I think that sent off uh, some alarms for people that maybe weren't very high on the Gamecocks coming into the season, and even for those who were, uh, thought that maybe this could be a team that kind of plays that sleeper role like they have in recent years. I'm one of those people that, that looks at this South Carolina roster and feels like there's talent there in terms of uh, being able to be a lot better on offense because that's what they're going to have to do. You look back at last year. Uh, their shooting percentages were simply not good, and we've talked about that many, many times throughout the offseason in terms of how bad this team was from a consistency standpoint of being able to knock down shots uh, maybe inside the arc. Uh, they only shot 43.5% from two-point range, and then they just weren't very good uh, anywhere in terms of just jump shooting, and that's going to have to be better because 
we know all the attention is going to be on Chris Silva, uh, and him staying out of foul trouble is going to be important because uh, that's something that they've got to have him on the floor if they want to be able to contend uh, for a top-half SEC spot, if they want to be able to have a chance to get back to the NCAA tournament. Chris Silva has to be on the floor, and other guys have to step up around him. That's where guys like Mike Coates are come into the mix, and someone like Justin Minaya, who I mentioned could be a breakout uh, candidate in the SEC this year because I think he's he had a really good freshman year in terms of getting those minutes, uh, and now he kind of goes into his sophomore season w- with a really good versatile skill set. I think you know Frank Martin's going to be able to use him in a lot of different ways, but they need their guard play to be rock solid, you know, whether it's Trey Campbell, whether it's Hassani Gravit, uh, some of these other new guys that they're going to bring in, they've got to have better guard play because guard play in the SEC is as good as it's been in a while. And when you talk about depth all the way across the conference, uh, there's so many good guards and there's so many good backcourts. So South Carolina is going to have to improve from that standpoint. Uh, When you talk about this particular matchup, USC Upstate, if you want to fix your offensive problems, uh, you probably feel like this is as good a chance as any because USC Upstate, uh, 349th in the country last year in field goal percentage defense, allowing teams to shoot an average 50.1%. Uh, they were last. When we, look, we always look at Ken Palm, and Ken Palm, I love it. If you don't have Ken Palm, go get it. Uh, such a great resource, and things will obviously start to get added there. Uh, all the time now with the season tipped off. But, you know, USC Upstate last in ad- adjusted defensive efficiency. So there probably won't be that bad this year. I mean, it's a team that only won seven games. Uh, but if you're South Carolina, this has to be the kind of game where you come out and you start to get things figured out on the offensive end of the floor and you start to get everyone kind of gelling, uh, building that chemistry with the new guys. So the Gamecocks, you know, are a team that, has that potential but you have to see that progress being made on the offensive end of the floor if they can do that we know how they're going to play on defense so South Carolina could be uh, a tricky team maybe as we get later into conference play so uh, next up is uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide who will take the court there at Coleman Coliseum against uh, Avery Johnson's alma mater in Southern and Alabama will be without Riley Norris Uh, they said he underwent a heart procedure of some sort there. I know they they put out the news thing on Monday evening, um, so he's going to be week to week is what it says, but at least they got everything uh, hopefully figured out there, and he's good to go, Um, you know, not from just a a playing standpoint, but that's, uh, you know, something that you don't want to mess with, and so I hope everything's good there with him as he's able to get back in action because he'll be an important part of this team this season. And we look at Alabama, um, I've continued to, to kind of, point out some of the guys especially these underclassmen that you look at and really have a chance to be kind of those breakout type of players and Alex Reese is someone I'm very high on you guys have heard it in the SEC breakout players series we talked about him a lot Um, just his ability to stretch the floor kind of that modern big man you're looking for he can shoot the three Uh, as he gets stronger as he continues to develop uh, I think he's going to be you know a really valuable piece there for Avery Johnson and his staff, and I'm also interested to kind of see how Kyra Lewis continues to progress. Uh, as Johnson said, and we've you know kind of discussed this before, you can't really expect Kyra Lewis to come out and be Colin Sexton right away. That's not a fair comparison. It's not going to happen. Uh, but I feel like you know as the season progresses, as he matures, because remember this is a young kid. He reclassified from 2019 to 2018. 
Um, I don't even know if he's turned 18 years old yet. You know, So he's just someone that's going to continue uh, to get that individual development. As he gets more experience, he's going to get better. He has all the potential in the world. Um, so it, it's just a matter of seeing. And I think these are the types of games in the, in the non-conference slate, maybe against an inferior opponent, where you can get him valuable action uh, on the court. You can get him in some really good spots and have a chance to kind of build that confidence. Uh, but elsewhere, uh, for Alabama, the, the thing is the same. They're going to play defense. They're going to be, you know, one of the better defensive teams in the country probably with their length, with their athleticism. You just want to make sure everything's flowing really well on offense and how, you know, guys like Dazon Ingram, John Petty, uh, those types of guys have to continue to expand their offensive game because they're going to be the ones that, that Alabama relies on this year. And Tevin Mack will, will certainly be in that mix as well. Herbert Jones seeing how his offensive game continues to expand. So Alabama has options. I like teams that, that have options and have that much uh, you know, experience returning, uh, but it's just a matter of seeing how the offense flows uh, this season for the Crimson Tide. Shouldn't be much of a problem uh, in this game against Southern, and uh, maybe it'll be a situation for uh, you know a team like Alabama to, to kind of continue to, to build that confidence. I think that's what's going to be all, all about here early on. Um, and maybe their free throw shooting will get better. You, Alabama fans are always uh, hitting me up on Twitter. It seems like it's sort of a, a running theme the past couple of years when uh, they start missing free throws. But, hey, they're, they're progressing, and I think that's something hopefully they'll continue to get figured out. But a, a key stat in this one, Sean Woods takes over at Southern. Um, they were not good offensively last year. They were 339th in field goal percentage at 40.3%. So uh, they'll need that to, to get better to be able to kind of hang in this game with the Crimson Tide. So moving on to uh, Columbia, Missouri, where the Tigers will host Central Arkansas. And um, there's a lot of unknowns with Missouri, and we've we've mentioned this ever since Jonte Porter went down with, with this season-ending injury, and it's just it's sort of the same thing we saw last year where they come into the season expecting everything to, to run through Michael Porter Jr., and then he doesn't play you know, but two minutes the entire regular season. Um, and now, knowing you're going to be without Jonte Porter and you spent the entire offseason pretty much preparing to run everything through him, uh, it does present some challenges for Conzo Martin and his staff, but... They were creative last year, and we've kind of said this in terms of, you know, when we talked to Sam Snelling over at Rock Him Nation, and they were very good in terms of finding ways to make things work last year, even without Michael Porter on the floor. Now, I think you have to be even more creative because I don't know that you don't have that guy like Cassius Robertson uh, who could step up and be sort of that go-to player in the backcourt. You feel like there are unknowns there. Um, you know, certainly getting someone like Mark Smith uh, ready to go. He's got the waiver. He's going to be good. That helps. Uh, but you you still have questions, and that's where Jeremiah Tillman, Kevin Perrier, those guys have to be even better than we thought they were going to be. You know, they have to take a, you know two steps forward, not just one step forward. They have to take a couple steps forward now because everything's going to kind of go through them. And uh, you want to see how Tillman continues to develop his offensive game. Perrier, you know, already has a pretty good offensive skill set. But Tillman has to stay on the floor, too. He can get in foul trouble. We know that. Uh, that's how Missouri can succeed this year is because if he gets in foul trouble, that takes out a huge element because we were expecting Jeremiah Tillman, Jonte Porter to be, you know, one of the better front court duos in the SEC, uh, if not, you know, one of the more underrated ones in the country. But 
Now when you take out someone as impactful as Porter, that puts even more pressure on Jeremiah Tillman. He has to be able to stay on the floor and continue to get better, and he will. He's going to continue to progress, uh, but there's certainly more added pressure on this roster because they have to be able to kind of take those steps forward. Like I mentioned, it can't be sort of a gradual thing. I think they're going to have to to really expand what they do early on. Uh, If they can do that, the Tigers should be fine. In this particular game, again, we don't know what to expect. Would I be surprised if it's a little bit sloppy? Probably not. Uh, because it's going to probably be a little bit of a feeling out process for Missouri and trying to get some things uh, worked out. Central Arkansas picked eighth in the Southland preseason poll. Uh, So, you know, that's not anything that probably should scare an SEC team like Missouri, Uh, but this could be a game worth watching just in terms of seeing how Missouri is going to approach things as they move forward without Jontae Porter. Next up is the LSU Tigers as they tip off the new season there at the PMAC in Baton Rouge, and they will do it against Southeastern Louisiana. Uh, LSU, I'm very high on. I just, Tremont Waters, I've I've kind of put that in my preseason stuff. Uh, three players that I would put in that, that player of the year race in the SEC if I had to pick going into the season, and that's Grant Williams, Reed Travis at Kentucky, and Tremont Waters. I just think that he is the complete package, and it was almost scary at times how effective he was as a freshman and how he kind of saw the floor uh, pretty much on a night-in and night-out basis. And that's one of the things, you know, going back to SEC Media Day before last season, uh, Will Wade talked about that a lot. He said, you know, he's just – Waters can see things that that I can't see, even as a coach. And when you have a player like that on the floor, especially at your most you know important position, when you're talking about your point guard, the guy who's going to have the ball in his hands uh, for the majority of the game, that is an invaluable asset to have something like that to be able to see the floor, have the vision that he has. Uh, such a tremendous passer. He's a playmaker off the dribble. He can shoot. Uh, he can do it all. And I think that's what's going to make him. So fun to watch this season. But it's not just that. I mean, he has so many good players around him. When you consider all these newcomers, uh, whether it's, you know, the, the very talented freshman class, whether it's, you know, from the JUCO ranks, a guy like Marlon Taylor, who I think is being underrated uh, in terms of his athleticism. When you just look at him and, and kind of see what his abilities are, they're going to be very deep. They have a lot of places they can turn. And I think for LSU, it's just a matter of seeing how quickly the young guys get acclimated and I don't think I think having a guy like Tremont Waters is going to be huge in that regard because he's going to be able to help everyone get in the right place uh, he's going to be able to make everyone better and that's what you want again out of a point guard uh, he's the leader on the court and I think he's going to be the one that really helps these guys uh, progress very quickly even as talented as they are as we know there's always a slight adjustment period sometimes uh, for freshmen and trying to build that chemistry. And when you have so many new guys uh, trying to add them to the mix, there can be some things uh, that take a little time to kind of click. But uh, LSU is a, a very talented team, and I think just seeing how they get better on defense, because on offense they were very efficient last year, and I think that will only get better this year when you consider all the talent that they're adding. Um, so if they can be more consistent on defense, play that Havoc style that we know Will Wade wants to play, 
um, that will really help them. And I think that's going to, we're kind of going to get a preview of that uh, in this game against Southeastern Louisiana, who, by the way, is not a bad team. I mean, this is a game that, that should probably be uh, pretty fun and maybe a game that, that's higher scoring. Uh, so th- this is one that LSU is going to be, a lot of times this season, I think LSU is going to be kind of one of those teams when we talk about maybe the most entertaining teams in the country. LSU could be among that mix because of how they play and because of what they have on the roster. So we'll see what happens there uh, in that one. But uh, another game on the schedule, and this is one of the ones that a lot of people will have their eye on. That is the in-state rivalry between Florida and Florida State, and it'll go down in Tallahassee. Uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern, that's on ESPN2. I, I mentioned this in the written post, and if you've already read the written post, uh, you, you kind of know what my thoughts are. You know who I'm picking in this game. I won't spoil it, just in case you haven't. Uh, but this is probably the toughest game to, to predict for me of the opening night slate, just because I don't necessarily know exactly what we're going to get out of Florida. I do think Florida maybe is not getting the recognition in terms of maybe placing them behind those other five teams that that we've talked about before, Kentucky, Tennessee, Auburn, LSU, Mississippi State. Um, I don't know that Florida can't, you know, kind of jump into that mix and be, you know, three, four in the SEC, something like that, because the potential is there. But what you want to see with Florida – is probably one of the things that, that we had trouble with last year, and that was consistency, and that was sort of that that aggressiveness, that physicality. And I've said that uh, in some of these previews when you look at getting a guy like Chase Johnson back in the mix, Isaiah Stokes, um, are they going to be able to add an element uh, of aggressiveness and that, that physicality in the paint? Because I think that's what Florida's going to need uh, to be a very good team this season. They have the guard play, Jalen Hudson, is back. Kayvon Allen is back. We've we've mentioned the freshman guards. When you when you think about Andrew Nimhar, Noah Locke, they're both going to be big contributors for this team. Um, and then you have a guy like Keontae Johnson, who's going to be able to do a lot of different things. Um, we know the big guys, Keith Stone, Kevarius Hayes, both have different skill sets, but both are going to present challenges on on offense and defense. Um, so I, I think it's just a matter of Florida is seeing how. That chemistry's there. Losing Chris Chioza, and we don't, we can't just throw that under the rug and act like it's not a big deal because it is a big deal uh, when you think about all the different things that he did for that program. Not just you know looking at necessarily one side of the court or the other. He had a lot of intangibles to his game, uh, and he just felt like that guy when games got close, you could lean on to either make a play or, or put someone else in the right spot to make a play. And I think now we see how things move forward without him. Um, and Florida's got good offense. I just want to see if that consistency is there from early on uh, on defense. That's where communication comes in, and you add these new players that you know are going to see a lot of minutes. Um, and how things kind of progress, I think, is very interesting. In this one, though, for Florida State, Phil Kofer's not playing. He's sidelined, and so all eyes are going to be on Terrence Mann, who really had a lot of success in this game last year. Uh, he played very well, and you would think that this is going to be kind of that same type of opportunity for him uh, in this particular game. So I don't really <laughs> – I made the pick in the written post, and again, I won't spoil it here, but it's it's the toughest game to predict. It wouldn't surprise me if it's the closest game of the bunch, yes, even with a game on the schedule that we're about to talk about in a minute. Um, but I, I just don't know. I don't know what to expect necessarily from either team. 
And would it surprise me if Florida goes in there and wins? Absolutely not, because I do think Florida's a top 25 caliber team. Uh, but I do think for both, uh, there there are some things that maybe we don't really know right now. How is Florida State going to play without Kofor? How is Florida uh, going to play in terms of attacking the lane? How are they going to play from a consistency standpoint? You just don't want to see uh, those lulls like we saw last year that kind of cost them some games. Uh, so they need to make sure that that doesn't happen in this one. But this will undoubtedly be one of the better games of the night. Uh, so you'll want to stay tuned for that one. A few more games uh, on the schedule. Auburn, uh, number 11 in the country, will host South Alabama. And uh, that will uh, be a, a pretty fun game as well. Uh, we talk about potential high-scoring games. I think South Alabama is a team. You know, Bruce Pearl mentioned this uh, earlier in the week, I think. Um, and when you kind of break down what South Alabama wants to do, Richie Riley uh, comes over. When he was at Nickel State, they played very fast. And that's something where you would expect that, that same type of approach now uh, coming into this game. And so I think when, when you look at that, he's going to want to speed things up uh, because offensively last year, South Alabama was not particularly great. Um, they were 273rd nationally in scoring offense. They were even worse in three-point field goal percentage, only shot 32.3%. Um, and they turned it over 15 times a game, which was you know very near the bottom in the NCAA. I think it was 324, 325th, something like that. So those are things that, that he's going to have to get improved, and it's going to probably have to happen quickly <laughs> because a game like this – where you're going against an Auburn team that that is so good offensively uh, and you feel like is going to get up and down the floor. You're going to have Jared Harper pushing the pace. Bryce Brown's going to be spotting up from threes. Uh, Anthony McLemore's back. And the list goes on and on. I'm very interested to see how Auburn continues to play. Uh, It sounds like Samir Dowdy's going to be able to play in this one, so we'll get our first look at him uh, in a regular season standpoint. Um, and seeing how he plays for the Tigers. Austin Wiley, probably not, so we don't really know exactly what it's going to look like once he gets back on the floor. D'Angelo Purifoy has to sit out. I think it's the first nine games. Uh, So we we haven't seen the full Auburn team yet. We're not going to see them maybe for a little bit, uh, but once they're all together, this team uh, is going to be dangerous. And uh, even right now, they're a team that's going to be, I think, very fun to watch knowing how they play. And this could this could be a game that, that gets up and down the floor because I do think, you know, look on for the Jaguars, a guy like Roderick Sykes, their top returning scorer, almost 19 points a game, I think, last year, uh, a good shooter. And uh, they're going to be some good players on the floor in this game. And I think this is the kind of game, if you're a fan of offense, uh, there should be a lot of it here. And um, it could be one of the more entertaining games when we look at it from that standpoint. But Auburn, uh, I've continued to say, you know, I think that people will look at some of the guys they lost from last year and maybe not be as high on them. Uh, I still think Auburn's loaded, and once they get everybody back at full strength, like I mentioned, uh, this is going to be one of the better teams in the country. Uh, and for them, just like with some of these other teams, I think it's just making sure uh, you get that consistency from a defensive standpoint. We saw how big the improvement was last year and seeing if they're able to take another step forward. But getting Macklemore back healthy is a huge step uh, towards that, and I'm really interested to see how Chumo Kiki uh, goes into his sophomore season because he's one of those breakout players as well after a really good freshman season. So uh, this will be a game that, that is certainly worth watching because of offense. And, um, you know, do, do I think Auburn's going to win by 30? Probably not because I, I do think South Alabama – 
Uh, feels like they have some options here from, from an offensive standpoint, but Auburn should win the game, and um, it, it should be one that, that's entertaining there from start to finish. So next up, uh, the game you're all waiting for, uh, especially if you are a Kentucky Wildcat fan, and that is number two Kentucky against number four Duke uh, in Indianapolis in the Champions Classic I'll keep this kind of brief because uh, in the written post, I really went into this more in depth. But it's hard to say this because it feels like we haven't been able to say it in a while. But for once, it's almost like Kentucky's going to be the veteran team here. And we rarely have said that over the years for for Kentucky against opponents. Uh, But it's the case when you think about the guys that the Wildcats have coming back. Um, guys who've got a lot of experience as freshmen. When you think about P.J. Washington, Quade Green, uh, Nick Richards, all these types of guys getting valuable minutes, they come back with, with that experience and they get a lot of other pieces added to the mix. And it's not just the talented freshman class, uh, which is really, really good, but it is the addition of Reed Travis. And having a double-double guy like that that is a veteran presence on both ends of the floor, he's someone that John Calipari will be able to turn to in maybe you know very close games and being able to feel like he can get you a basket, he can get you a defensive play that you need. Uh, that is really good to have, knowing how much talent's on that roster, knowing you have a guy who's been through this for years uh, in a power conference, and now he gets a chance to do it in the SEC uh, for one of the best teams in the country. I just think that, to me, puts Kentucky a little bit ahead of Duke right now. Now, if the game comes out and Duke you know, wins the game, would I be surprised? Absolutely not, because Duke's freshmen are, are insanely talented. Um, they're very, very good. But I think, like Kentucky in some years, maybe it takes Duke uh, several games to kind of get everyone clicking and feeling like, uh, they're where they want to be because Duke's going to be a national title contender. They're going to be one of the more dangerous teams in the country once we get into the NCAA tournament. I don't think there's any doubts about that. Uh, but right now, playing on opening night, if you compare these two teams on paper, it does feel like Kentucky's in a better spot in terms of having everything in place, having a, a more veteran kind of team, which is crazy to think because you still have a team that's full of freshmen and sophomores. But the Reed Travis thing, I think, kind of tips it for Kentucky, in my opinion, gives them the edge here uh, because there's no one else on the floor that's going to be able to bring what he brings in terms of that combination of experience and really, really good play on both sides of the court. So you can see who I picked. It's sound you probably know if you're listening to kind of how I've described it. Um, but I think Kentucky's in a good spot here, and you know this will be an outstanding game. It will go right down to the wire. There's no doubts about that. Uh, but I do think the Wildcats uh, have a chance to, to really kind of showcase what they're going to be this season and keep your eye on a guy like Tyler Hero. He adds that three-point shooting element where in past years we've looked at Kentucky and felt like maybe this is a team you can just force to shoot the three and have a really good chance to beat I don't think that's going to happen this year because they have a dangerous knockdown shooter like him. Quad A Green can shoot as well. Some of the other guys will be able to knock down shots from the perimeter. Uh, so that really makes it feel like this Kentucky team uh, maybe has knocked a complete package as of November the 6th, but they have a chance to, to really be that 
uh, once we get deeper into the season. Um, so this will be a fun game. Make sure you watch it. It's going to be outstanding. Uh, there's no doubt about it. So uh, to wrap up the SEC schedule, Vanderbilt and Winthrop, the Commodores, a uh, new era there for them as they bring in a talented freshman class of their own with Darius Garland, Simi Shutu, and Aaron Neesmith. Um, those three are going to be impact players from, from from the opening tip. I think those are guys who are all going to be uh, a main part of what Bryce Tree wants to do this season. But as I continue to say, we can't forget about the return of someone like Saban Lee, who was uh, really, really efficient as a freshman. Um, he was the guy that kind of put them in positions to, to make a lot of plays last year, and he opened up a lot of things for other players. And now, with him and Garland kind of working off of each other, that, that backcourt right there is going to be uh, one of the better young backcourts probably in the SEC and maybe one of the more underrated ones from, from a national standpoint because I think those two playing in the system Bryce Drew wants to play, they're going to be able to get into the lane. They're going to be able to kick out to guys that can shoot like Matt Ryan, uh, Neesmith, uh, other guys as well. Uh, it's just uh, Vanderbilt's they're, – they're one of those teams that, that as well that may take a little bit of time to, to kind of get everything on the same page from a chemistry standpoint – uh, and maybe, you know, they don't look as sharp in an opening game like this, but the potential's there, and I keep saying, I think Vanderbilt's an NCAA tournament team. They might be a bubble team, uh, maybe just because of the overall depth, uh, maybe wondering how a guy like Joe Toy, who's kind of received a, a lot of praise, at least in the preseason, if he can kind of be that consistent guy that, that maybe you struggle with at times in terms of uh, not being able to contribute on a game-by-game basis, if he can do that on a nightly basis, give them uh, another you know scoring threat, he's a really good defender, insanely athletic, I think that gives Vanderbilt a lot of sort of dynamics to work with, and they can be a team... Uh, that's uh, kind of in that mix when we talk about teams that are possible sleeper teams that can move up in the SEC rankings. Uh, So I would be hesitant to look at just last year and say, well, there's no way they can completely turn things around. Uh, I'd be surprised if they're not uh, at least in the bubble conversation once we get to March. But this will be kind of an interesting game, I think, because we know how Pat Kelsey's teams have played there at Winthrop. They lose Xavier Cooks, uh, who was just outstanding. I mean, the Big South, best player in the Big South. Uh, but bringing back some guys that have some experience, um, we know they're going to play fast because that's how he likes to do it. So this one should be a game where you, you got both teams getting up and down the floor um, and, and really, you know, kind of trying to, to really kind of go at each other from an offensive standpoint. Uh, so uh, Winthrop's kind of a – they're a hard team maybe to, to figure out, but I wouldn't be surprised if they make things interesting here. I, I You know, you still have to lean towards Vanderbilt, and I think, to pick up the win, but – uh, this could be a better game maybe than people think, just knowing the kind of coach that Pat Kelsey is and, and kind of how he wants to play. I think they're going to be an aggressive type of team. Uh, so that could kind of uh, make things interesting there uh, for the Commodores. So that will wrap up uh, the SEC game day preview for November the 6th. And uh, again, for those of you who enjoy the written stuff, I feel like this is another way that we can add uh, even more for you guys as you prepare uh, for college basketball season and as you prepare for SEC games uh, throughout the week. This gives you kind of a better chance uh, to kind of get more in detail about certain things rather than just the written stuff. So if you enjoy this, uh, let me know. Hit me up over on Twitter at the Blake Level if you want more of these. Uh, I'll try to give you as many of these as I can uh, on big game days 
throughout the SEC season. Uh, there's going to be a lot of them because we know how good this conference can be and we kind of know what the expectations are. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. So be sure you head over to southeastsoups.com, check out all the written stuff. Remember, if you want to see all the stuff we've done in the preseason, the previews for uh, this year, go over to southeastsoups.com, click on the preview page in the menu bar, and you will see all the stuff that we've put together, non-conference schedule previews, uh, kind of featured stories, all sorts of stuff over there. If you haven't caught that, go over there and read it before the games tip off. Uh, and, of course, subscribe to Southeast Tubes Podcast. Go over to iTunes and search for Southeast Tubes. Uh, that way you don't miss any of these episodes. Going to try to start doing these uh, more often, kind of giving you guys some instant audio type of stuff uh, that you can have, plus uh, all the written stuff uh, that, that will be going up here as the season gets underway. We're going to have a lot going on, uh, so be sure you uh, look at everything and get a chance to go over to the website, podcast, uh, whatever works for you. Uh, we'll have a lot of coverage for you. Uh, in the world of SEC basketball this season. So uh, thanks, as always, for listening, and we will talk to you guys next time.